Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Crown Jewel Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadley Boys, Michael Hamplot from What Culture, to look ahead to tomorrow's Crown Jewel pay-per-view. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0. Oh, oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a media quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Hamlet to look ahead to tomorrow's Crown Jewel pay-per-view, which, of course, we will be doing a live stream for myself and Phil Chambers reacting to the event at a reasonable time here in the UK. 5 p.m. Uh, the show will start. We'll probably be live from around 4 p.m., so do join us. For that, but Michael Hampler, looking at this card, could this be the best crown jewel ever? I mean, yes, I guess, but best and crown jewel will forever be contradictions in terms until they stick around with his name long after this deal has hopefully died. Um, it's a really tricky one. This it's yes, objectively, clinically speaking, this is probably the most um loaded card, narratively speaking, that WWE have ever put forth for one of these blood money agreement pay-per-views. Mm. Let's you know, call this for what it is. This is still part of that deal, which will extend, I guess, possibly due to, the, due to the pandemic. So we've got it a little bit longer. I don't imagine, like I'm assuming this is going to be a bit like when one of the WWE wrestlers goes on the shelf and then they're forced to endure several more months on the contract. I would guess that like the Saudi Arabian Sports Authority have brokered the same deal with Vince McMahon, that it's got to continue on now as a result of the break last year. Um, but yes, they have, in the absence of an October pay-per-view in the United States, they have loaded this up as the month's only super show. And it has allowed them, obviously, to do some big matches, some things that promise, theoretically, some big payoffs, because next month is the Survivor Series. So you're going to be moving into a lot of brand versus brand, belt versus belt stuff. So the in-show stories are going to briefly go on pause. And I think those things conspiring has actually made this card, and I want to stress that, this card feel like it might have something to write home. It might be something to write home about. But I just, I don't know. I can't help but think that having said all that, because of the fact it's one of the Saudi Arabian pay-per-views, what this is actually going to stack up to be in, and apologies to drop this in early in the preview, is an enormous disappointment because they might be tempted to pay off nothing and save all of it going forward. Yeah, I was going to say, because in terms of like the history of of Crown Jewel or just the shows in Saudi Arabia in general, 
you know, there have been title changes, major things that happen. You just need to look back to the last Crown Jewel show that was main evented with The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, becoming Universal Champion, defeating Seth Rollins. Having said that, that should have just happened at the previous pay-per-view, of course, and they just sort of delayed it because, I don't know, maybe they thought they'd get a better reaction out in beautiful Riyadh or whatever you want to say. Well, a lot of the time, you know, you look, I look up the rest of that card, there's a United States Championship match, AJ Styles against Humberto Carrillo, bit of a nothing match if I remember that. Yes, you had Brock Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez in uh, 88 seconds um, for the WWE Championship, the highlight of which came beforehand when Brock Lesnar threw Rey Mysterio at a wall and Cain Velasquez at Dominic Mysterio in the build. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of the time it's more sort of showcase things. I'm thinking your Tyson Furies versus Braun Strowman, your you know, Taker and... Uh, Triple H or whatever it may be, or you know, I should say, I'd not take on Triple H, DX and the Brothers of Destruction more specifically. But like you say, this time, there is a lot, you know, riding on this show. There could be numerous title changes and it feels like it's becoming more and more a part of like WWE canon as a result of that. Let's start in the most obvious place and probably, quite possibly, the main event. I'd book it as the main event unless they're going to do some shenanigans. That's the Universal Championship match, of course. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. For all the caveats that you've put in there, this show being in Saudi Arabia, et cetera, et cetera, I don't think I've been as invested in a world title match for quite some time and been unable to call it at the same time. Yeah, it's... Of all the um, matches on the card where we kind of have to have this battle between just the you know the artistic integrity of the show versus the ethical implications of it, this is the one that hits home the most because this is the best angle in WWE. Some people are saying it's the best thing in wrestling. I personally don't agree, but I understand where they're coming from. Certainly the best angle in WWE. It's peaking at the very best time, um, which is, again, rare for a WWE story, but it's peaking for a show that I think, regardless of quality up and down, will be considered one of the worst of the year. That's not really ideal. It's really tough to talk about this iteration of Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar without returning to the realities of what just Crown Jewel is. And I don't mean that from strictly the ethics at play. Like, often these massive crowds we get in Riyadh don't make the noise that you would maybe expect from a crowd that we are told are starved of WWE action and are, you know, enormous in size, um, which could be a bit of a nightmare for this match that has had care and attention paid on television. Again, rarities for storylines. Genuine thought has been applied to this thing from the off. Everything we hoped for in terms of the Paul Heyman tease, if not more, has been delivered by the fact that they've managed to kind of keep us all on the hook about whose side is he on, about exactly who he's committing to. Is he playing both sides against the middle? The performances of both Lesnar and Reigns have been tremendous in selling that without trivialising themselves or trivialising the title or anything like that. But yeah, Saudi Arabia, to go back to it, because we keep having to go back to it, is the place where Brock Lesnar has humbled Cain Velasquez, has humbled Ricochet, uh, Braun Strowman, seemingly just for the sake of it. It seems like just something that Vince McMahon does there because... I don't know, of a chat with somebody in the Sports Authority that really likes this sort of thing. You know, mm. the type of matches that mirror what happened to The Fiend against Bill Goldberg. Sometimes they just like matches that look like this. And that, of course, gives us one of the doomsday predictions by Michael Sidgwick, also of this parish, that this is going to be another one of those. That Brock Lesnar is going to drop Roman Reigns in an F5 within minutes. And everything that people have invested in for the last year and a half is going to be for naught. At the worst location for this to occur. I 
don't think that, but I've gone away from thinking that this will be conclusive. Um, this is not the first match between the two, and it's not likely to be the last, but it's the first time we've had them as heels and baby faces. Um, the Survivor Series has had matches where, has had years where the champion doesn't necessarily face the champion at the top of the card. Um, I was there for Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio. Mm -hmm. Awesome feed that year for the WWE title. It wasn't a requirement that you had to do Universal Champion versus WWE Champion that year. And I don't think they're going to do that this year. It does feel like this has to go on last, but I don't think we're getting a finish. I think Brock Lesnar wins, but I think he wins cheaply, disqualification or a count out, something like that. And Paul Heyman still doesn't quite reveal who he's with. I can visualise hey, uh, Lesnar standing in the ring, Reigns deciding to walk to the back, walking backwards with the Uso, flanked by the Usos, with Paul Heyman stood in the ramp, committing to neither one man nor the other. And I think that gets you a pretty big Survivor Series main event outside of all the brand stuff. Yeah, I was thinking the same in terms of the Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar is a big four pay per view main event without question. It's a WrestleMania main event, obviously, but the way it is right now, it is red hot, white hot. And uh, I could understand them potentially rolling this over to Survivor Series. I'm equally as excited in seeing potentially, because I'm, I'm predicting he's going to retain Big E versus Roman Reigns again, or Big E versus Brock Bloody Lesnar. I mean, for all, I'd be absolutely devastated if Roman dropped the title, uh, although I'm sure that they can maybe tell a good story. I don't have a great deal of faith in that, but I'm sure there is a story to be told there with Brock defeating Roman. The prospect of Brock versus Big E is just bonkers. But I agree. I think we're going to get shenanigans because at the end of the day, it's just going to be a big fireworks display. and They're not going to boo anything out of that arena, really, are they? Other than maybe women. Yeah, and I guess we'll get to some of that on the rest of the podcast. Yeah, you're probably right, you know. I think, like, I've thought of this as, like, well, it can't go on last, can it? But then there's no such thing as a can't on these WWE shows. Um, Shane McMahon has won a trophy by entering a tournament in the last two minutes of a final. Uh, Goldberg has squashed the most over-character in the company. You, you can do pretty much anything you want on these cards. So, yes, a DQ finish followed by a big fireworks display while Michael Cole screams about the beautiful relationship that is ongoing between WWE and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia already feels like it's already happened, let alone the fact that it might do this Thursday. I feel like I've actually seen that before. And, yeah, and they feel like they can get away with some shenanigans because, you know, in their eyes, the American audience is, you know, the main priority. And a lot of them probably won't be watching this live, will they? Because it's mid-afternoon <laughs> in the States. So... Yeah, that may well be the case. Uh, let's talk about this huge women's match, though. It's SmackDown Women's Championship, triple threat, Becky Lynch defending against Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. I am nervous about how this will be received and yet simultaneously hopeful that they can showcase the phenomenal female talent that blesses not just WWE, but numerous other uh, wrestling organisations, women's division. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this. I don't know what to make of it at all, particularly because of the setting. Um, theoretically, the match quality isn't in doubt. Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks had this excellent match on last week's SmackDown, one of several they've had in their career, and we know they've got that in their locker. Um, Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair were on their way to something pretty fantastic at Extreme Rules before the really cheap finish that, of course, folded Sasha Banks into this. And we've both gone on at length about just how special Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair was at WrestleMania. Every combination of these three seems to click in the exact way you would expect it to. 
Um, triple threats are, of course, harder than those individual, just because of all those individual singles matches work, it doesn't mean they work great in a, in a triple threat setting. Doesn't mean that necessarily all of the crowd will receive this as well. You would like to think so. Um, it was a bit of a game of two halves, wasn't it, with um, Natalia and Lacey Evans mm. many moons ago, because obviously the cameras were looking for the, the younger girls that were hugely inspired by this match. But equally, I think Natalia was bottled on her way to the ring. That was the mm-hmm. same match, wasn't it? Yep. So you're dealing with this very difficult and delicate contradiction here that the three might have to might have to cope with themselves and just again if we're going to be sort of clinical about the card and say well actually this is a pretty good show the booking of this feud has been miserable Mm. absolutely miserable so even an invested audience even those in the building that are really really clued up on the WWE television and care and are there not just to see the stars but to invest in the story what story have these three got that's actually going to help this match mm. the best thing i think we can hope for here is a really is a really strong spot fest i would look if anybody wants to do a bit of homework beforehand i would probably look to something like the triple threat with becky sasha and charlotte from wrestlemania 32 where it felt like it was very important that this match just did its best to bang regardless of like there was no it was a really really great spot fest but there wasn't a fabulous story interwoven into the spots it was just the three of them going hell for leather i think it would be wise to do that here and for the same reasons, I would expect a retention. I would expect Becky Lynch to retain. Um, I don't see the merit in handing over the title at this point to um, Bianca or Sasha, even though they are going to be left with this strange situation afterwards of the SmackDown Women's Champion heading a Raw with, with a belt that's blue. You are exactly, this is what I was going to say. I, I'd put, put my money far more on Becky and Bianca because they're going to the red brand. And Charlotte obviously is taking the red brand's belt to the blue brand. So we're probably going to get one of those awful title exchanges, which, you know, there may be something in, in terms of just planting that seed for, right, we're going to swap these belts, but we're going to see who the better woman is at Survivor Series down the road. But yeah, I love Sasha Banks, but I don't see her... I don't see her winning here because I think she's going to be probably, if they've got any bloody sense, dropped into a really mouth-watering feud with Charlotte Flair, considering their history and the fact that they, I think, will both still be on the blue brand (laughs) or will be on the blue brand as of uh, tomorrow or immediate aftermath of Crown Jewel. I think Bianca Belair might take this, you know. I think the fact that you had Bianca versus Charlotte, which didn't go to a finish, and they can tease that, although... Uh, Becky Charlotte, but then that's two heels. I'm going to go Bianca Belair. I'm going to go for a title change here because, yeah, let's go for that because I don't think I'm predicting many title changes anywhere else on this card. No, I'm not. In fact, let's talk about a match I'm praying we don't see a title change in, and that's the WWE Championship match. Drew McIntyre challenging Big E before he goes to SmackDown, of course. Yeah, I, I feel real... Let's just analyze this as if it's a pay per view away from the optic of everything else for just a second. I feel so disappointed at where we're at with this. Um, it just blew its potential to be what, like, I already think this match can't be what it could have been because of the nature of the booking. They've gone down the route of uneasy allies that can't coexist, and they shouldn't have to coexist because they're opponents. It is ridiculous that they're forced into these circumstances in the first place. But it's just so frustrating because we were on the verge of something really cool with Drew. He'd just been so unfairly frozen out of getting to compete for this title 
And then at the first opportunity, he should have been absolutely chomping at the bit. They just about got near it on Raw. On the Go Home Raw, I think it was, when Drew talked about how he never really got his flowers. You know, he mm-hmm. was he was the leader during a time where there was nobody in the building. This And this is quite smart. He is looking to crown jewel of all places, not to WrestleMania or to WWE's first night back in front of crowds or even the first house show in Scotland or the pay-per-view he's promised in England or whatever it is. He is looking to crown Jewel as the night he gets the moment that he still doesn't feel like he's had. That's a nice detail, and I wish it had been at the mm-hmm. heart of all of this Drew's difficult year, basically, that in terms of Raw, comes to an end on this very night. I think you pointed this out as well. What a what sort of a race this feels. Like it's Drew McIntyre's race against time, and at the very last moment, he can make good on everything and defeat Big E. Because ultimately... This feels like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Big E is retaining. That feels really obvious. It's, what, his first major defence against somebody that isn't Bobby Lashley? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's it's one of them ones where it sort of feels like a formality, really, that the, the, the champion gets their first one or two wins out the way. So they could have done a really cool job of heating up Drew as an actual potential winner, a bit of a spoiler of the Big E party. And instead, it's guys that can't coexist and... As, as, as we said, a likely formality. I hope the match is good. I like them both, that I want the match to go down well with the live crowd there. Um, Big E's great in just total bomb lobbers against big guys like Drew, um, against guys like Sheamus. So I don't have any doubts about the quality of it. I just wish they could have done more to make us feel like a change was possible. No, I completely agree. And I'm slightly concerned they're going to undercut Big E in trying to protect Drew McIntyre and all this, because I've no doubt Drew's probably going to be very, very quickly inserted into the title picture over on the blue brand, if not donning a blue T-shirt for the next month or so <laughs> in the interim. And so I think we're going to get Drew McIntyre getting the visual pinfall on Big E, but he's bloody claimed the referee, hasn't he, accidentally? And then Big E will recover and get the big ending and hopefully retain his title. To be honest, even though I think that does weaken the presentation of Big E, I still don't really mind so long as he's world champion in my eyes. And yeah, whether you want to, I mean, you could, you could have, this would be an interesting story. If you're not going to do, like you say, uh, a champion versus champion match, or you're going to put a, uh, Roman and Brock on Survivor Series. If you're not going to do all that, you could have both world champions captaining their teams for Survivor Series, which would actually really build some intrigue and potentially set up some feuds for the immediate aftermath of Survivor Series rather than going, right, it's the brand warfare stuff out of the way. What were we doing? But <laughs> yeah, regardless, I think Big E, I hope Big E retains the WWE Championship, but Drew will no doubt help him put on an absolute banger um, in Saudi Arabia. Um, let's conclude talking about these title matches then. Raw tag team titles on the line. RK Bro, RJ, uh, RJ Styles? RK Bro versus AJ Styles and Omos. Omos is going to do some big guy stuff and Randy Orton's going to hit an RKO because that'll send the crowd home happy, won't it? Yeah. Um, painful filler, really, this. Um, I, I, I don't get this feud. Like AJ Styles and Omos walking around like the British, like the British Bulldog, because it wasn't even their belts. <laughs> like this is a feud in reverse. 
They are walking and talking and acting like they are the champions and okay, bro, with the challenges. And there's no what you think you're doing trying to step to us. And it's like you're the challengers. And you shouldn't even be getting a shot because you've only just lost the belts. I, this couldn't feel more like again, if Crown Jewel doesn't exist, I don't think they go with this specific match no. for what October paper clash champions, Hell in a Cell, whatever it would have been. I think they would have had to find somebody new for RK Bro, but instead, this is where the fact that this is a Saudi Arabian show makes this easy for WWE. As you've highlighted, like <laughs> like nailed on precision, the stuff that we can expect from this is the reason why this match exists. Um, Omos is going to do cool big guy stuff, which is getting cooler and bigger by the month. So I'm I'm in favour of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Riddle will sell, sell, sell. Orton will RKO AJ Styles because they are at least continuing to have Omos make AJ aware that he knows that this team's all about him. Was it on Raw on Monday? Mm-hmm. Where AJ was like, yeah, it's both of us. It's both of us. And it's like, yeah, whatever. We're both running this place, yeah. We're both running this place, yeah. So that they're at least exploring that. So AJ taking a pin here is not entirely for naught, but let's not pretend this match is any more than it is. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, let's get one match out of the way that I think... You and I, despite everything else on this card, are the most confident of the result of, and that's Mustafa Ali versus Mansoor. The hometown guy's going to win a match. I know. It's the only, as you brilliantly alluded to on our Raw review, it's the only place where it happens. It's in Saudi Arabia, where you get a guaranteed win for the hometown hero. Oh, it's such an odd one, this. Um, I implore anybody to go, and you'll have to root for it now around on social media, um, go looking for any 
promo that Mustafa Ali has cut, any tweet that he's made alluding to his professional frustrations of late, and he's got plenty, and so he should. Um, one, he's sort of made clear, it was on the bump, I think, it was on some sort of shoulder programming of WWE's, was that he looks at this match between himself and Mansoor as an opportunity for a lot of uh, children, a lot of younger fans from uh, backgrounds similar to theirs, you know, diverse or underrepresented. Mm-hmm. And he looks at this match as an opportunity to really tell these children, look, you can achieve your dream. There's going to be X thousand people here. And, uh, you know, we look like you. And it's not just Vince McMahon's old white dudes organization. Mm-hmm. It's wrestling for everybody and all that sort of thing. You can chase your dreams. The problem is he explains all that with such passion while speaking of his experience in WWE as if it's a living nightmare. It's a bit like, you can chase your dreams, but find another dream, because this is absolutely bloody awful. It's a rigged game, and I can't win, and it's ludicrous. I just, you feel such sympathy for a guy that clearly wants to do so much, and you can tell whenever he's given anything, he tries his best with it. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times did he try and lug retribution over the line? Like, that horse was dead week one. Nobody else even needed to beat it, but it was was dead. And yet, Musfar Ali, every single week, tried to do something to Mm -hmm. elevate it. And, you know, it, this is stuck. This Mansoor program is is fine. You feel like maybe two, three months ago, we might have got, I think we got it wrong. We were presuming that they were maybe going to go for the tag titles. Yeah, how did we and see that, this coming? And then, and then that was the Mansoor story. Obviously, partners can't coexist, so we get this instead. Um, but, yeah, if you just look at this as an isolated feud that exists so that Mansoor's got a story rather than just a match, rather than just, hey, guys, and don't forget Mansoor versus Cesaro, you know, the big one. Uh, this is an angle this time. They've done the work. I fear for the pair of them coming off the back of this because as soon as they split and as soon as this match was obviously going to be made for this pay-per-view, it just felt as if it only exists for this. I do worry for the state of both men post-Crown Jewel. Mansoor to win, obviously. And the match should be great. I think it like they want they want all of these Mansoor matches to rule. Uh, was it? Did he fight Ziggler on one of these? It was pretty good. Cool Ziggler, well. he fought Cesaro, obviously. Yeah, he won a big battle. He won the biggest battle royal ever, didn't he? So they're kind of they're you know, they're ten out of ten with Mansoor so far, and they'll want to keep that here, and I, I expect they will. All right, let's talk no holds barred. Goldberg, Bobby Lashley. Uh, I am hoping against hope that one result happens here. And I have a horrible feeling, and literally everyone in the what culture office is telling me that the polar opposite is going to happen because this is Goldberg, this is Saudi Arabia, and the fans get what they want. Oh God! I, but right, that's all well and good. The fans get what they want. You know, there's a lot of love for not from the crowd, I don't think particularly, but there's a lot of love from WWE's evil paymasters for legends, for old timers including deceased ones like Yokozuna and the Ultimate Warrior. So <laughs> when they're alive, even better. Um, which I guess <laughs> which I guess Goldberg is trying to make it so that Bobby Lashley isn't for the next one, isn't he? That's been mm-hmm. his MO for the duration of this. Yep. <laughs> the jokes are so obvious. I feel like I've already told half of them. Um, there can be no destination quite as poetic as Crown Jewel for a match centred around literal death threats. It is absurd that they have leaned in as hard as they can on Goldberg repeatedly saying, was it not originally, I want to take your soul? And it was like, well, it's implied that he wants to kill him. And now he's just outright, I want to kill you. I want to murder you. In my head, it's always been, I'm going to kill you. I don't care about (laughs) that belt you've got. I'm going to kill you. That was it, yeah. SummerSlam was one where he's like, I don't care about the belt, but I want to kill you. That's right. Um, 
yeah, it's Dave Meltzer's quip that we go back to quite a lot. Vince McMahon has forgotten how to ride a bike. Um, this is just another one of them matches that is hard evidence of that. They are giants. They are both giants. Vince McMahon used to do this stuff with his eyes closed. And now we have reached the point where we are having to resort death threats to Gage Goldberg getting involved to the reformation of the Hurt Business just so that Bobby, La just so that Bobby Lashley's life doesn't have to be endangered in a jackhammer. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's what that's Cedric Alexander is going to be there for, yeah. Cedric Alexander, as his smaller friend, is like less of a flight risk than Bobby Lashley in one of Goldberg's high spots. Maybe just don't do the high spot. Maybe just don't book the fucking match. But here we are. Uh, yeah, but I just hope against hope Bobby Lashley wins, but I've got the same concerns as you that they just go for the easy route on the night because we don't need to... Like, WWE will think, well, we're not going to see Goldberg after tonight. So Lashley's going to be on Raw saying, ah, you got lucky. Don't come at me again. And that's just expected to be, oh, fine, good, yeah. It, yeah, it just doesn't bear thinking about, but that feels like the more likely avenue for all of this. Yeah, CM Punk's voice from many, many years ago is echoing around my head of like, cool, so when's Bill going to be back? Oh, he'll probably be back around Royal Rumble time or, or WrestleMania time, but Bobby Lashley's going to have to try and recover. I don't think he's moving shows either, which not that that would help uh, a great deal, but it would do something at least to have him in a new arena. But I'm fairly certain Bobby Lashley sticks on Monday Night Raw. Look, I, I completely agree. I think Bill Goldberg's probably going to win because he's going to get vengeance for his son, who's going to stand tall. But I wouldn't do that whatsoever. I would have, yeah, Cedric Alexander can take a jackhammer. That's the reason for the no-holds-barred sort of thing. Maybe get some mad weapon stuff involved. But the finish, for me, would be Goldberg gozzing on the ring, setting up, going to spear Bobby Lashley, who moves, and Goldberg... Spears the f out of his own goddamn son. He snaps <laughs> Gage Goldberg in half, turns around, horrified at what he's done, and then turns back around into a spear from Bobby Lashley. One, two, three. Thanks for coming, Bill. Maybe we'll have one more marquee match at WrestleMania and we'll never have to see you in, in the ring again. But Andy Murray was telling me he might have a couple more matches and this Saudi deal is separate from his WWE contract for how many matches he does as well. So I don't have a great deal of hope and they're going to have to keep Goldberg looking strong and protecting his son and all that crap, basically. Hmm. Anyway, we have two tournament finals on this show as well. The Queen's Crown Tournament and the King of the Ring. Let's start with the Queen's Crown Tournament. Why on earth isn't Shayna Baszler in this goddamn final? Why isn't it Shayna Baszler versus Liv Morgan? Because that is a match I could, even if they'd had all these two and a half minute matches, Shayna Baszler versus Liv Morgan, or even Shayna Baszler versus Tony Storm, is a great heel babyface match. And we've got this. We've got Zelina Vega. Look, I'm happy she's getting something now after she went 0-9 after first arriving back in WWE. She will face a for the uh, Queen's Crown or whatever they're sort of Queen of the Ring, which I don't think you win anything for this, but I mean, it's going to be Dewdrop, isn't it? Yeah, goodness sake, don't Google Queen of the Ring, otherwise, you might find China's film history and Triple H's kids can't be seeing that. Um, I, I just, I'm with you. The final um, would have been so much better with. 
entirely different wrestlers. And that seems really unfair to do drop and Zelina Vega from an analytical point of view because they are just obviously trying to build their characters and trying to get something going on this in this lifeless women's division, both shows. You know, I'm, I'm saying singular there. It's as bad as it is on Raw as it is on SmackDown. Um, where to even start on this? Okay, so Dewdrop's going to win because she's been saying, yes, and what word always follows that when mm-hmm. people say that in 2017. Um, <laughs> so of course, she's going to win because that's what they've been teeing up. Um, and anyway, Zelina Vega broke a cardinal rule on Monday's Raw. Not yes. as you may think, not as you may think, Wilborn, wearing the crown. Oh, it is, it is not that I have a problem with. No, no, no. Zelina Vega dared to look happy in her job, didn't she? <laughs> uh, they have done their very, very best to make her miserable in this job, as you say, that 9-0 record. She was lifted out of an awesome act once upon a time with Andrade. She was let go for dreadful reasons in 20, brought back in arguably even worse ones, if mm-hmm. we're like, to believe the circumstances around what happened with her and Malachi Black. And then she's been made to pay all these dues going, you know, this dreadful record before getting to a final that presumably she will be squashed in because the matches never go over three minutes. So we're nope. not expecting some epic as a tournament final or something like here. You know, they have the chance of making it feel that way if it went long, but there's no evidence to suggest it will. And think about this, right? So yeah, do drop to win. Bad match, short match, weird match. But think about this. In this current period of a wrestling war, which after NXT was shunted back to Tuesday, it felt like it went a bit quiet. And now Dynamite is coming for Raw. Dynamite is coming for SmackDown. Rampage buy-ins are coming for SmackDown. It's all very exciting. Tony Khan has embraced the uh, message board mutant he used to be. And has basically <laughs> turned his entire Twitter accounts into threads he used to start about your favorite independent wrestlers. It's all really, really good fun. Imagine WWE being able to say, and it be the truth, we promote more women's matches in Saudi Arabia than you do on an episode of Dynamite. <laughs> they have missed that open net because nobody gives a flying about the King of the Ring, about the Queen of the Ring. So much so I just called it the King of the Ring. I'm part yeah. of the problem. Yeah. Like nobody cares about this tournament. That's their booking's fault, and they had that bragging rights. And like some of the some of the bad faith actors will use that. Absolutely, by the way, the optics are minging, but they'll say it anyway. <laughs> Two women's matches in Saudi Arabia. That's one more than every dynamite. But do we could have legit imagine if this had had a good build? Imagine if people were earnestly excited about this. If they felt like, right, you've got two horse women and a former champion in Bianca Belair in one match, and you've got a, a Queen of the Ring, a Queen's Crown final that feels like it's prestigious, like the King of the Ring has been in the past, where somebody that wins is going to get a title shot, that somebody that wins is going to be a big deal afterwards. No, it's so that Dewdrop can complete a yes catchphrase. That's the entire reason it exists. And that's why they're going to wrap it up in five minutes or less. Not least considering the other, you know, geopolitical ramifications of this match. Um, aye, what a waste! What a waste! How long have people campaigned for a female King of the Ring tournament? And this is where we've landed with it. Well, let's talk about the King of the Ring tournament. Uh, and uh, you know, it's been some missteps along the way. Why on earth you wouldn't have Kofi versus Savior and the intrigue that that would provide in the semi finals? I have no idea, but nevertheless, we're getting Finn Balor versus Xavier Woods to crown the king of the ring. Uh, something that Xavier Woods has been hoping and dreaming for for many, many years. This Finn Balor, you know, maybe needs a bit of rehabilitation after that finish at Extreme, was it extreme Rules. Yeah, it was Extreme Rules. Um, 
with the top rope breaking. Maybe we're going to even get the demon because the Saudis want to see him or whatever it may be. Uh, I mean, I'm just happy Xavier's in the final, to be honest, that he's even got a chance at his dream coming true. Will it, Michael Hamlet? No, sorry. Um, look, Finn Balor need only espouse some of his progressive views to get heat in Saudi Arabia. But I think he's going to get it the old-fashioned way by crushing somebody's dream. Um, I hadn't really considered the demon because... Well, WWE didn't, did they, when they had him fall on his arse at Extreme Rules? But um, that's a possibility, I guess, they could try and... Uh, Jesus Christ, imagine this sentence. Rehabilitate a demon. Um, with <laughs> but no, I think um, the prince becoming a king is quite nice. Uh, and Finn Balor going the heel is kind of the last thing he can do, I think. A main yeah. roster heel, Finn Balor, is just about the last thing there is left for him to do in this company before he signs for AEW one day, like everybody else good. Um, it's a shame because... I don't particularly understand it, but Woods has got this real aspiration to follow in the footsteps of all those WWE legends and Billy Gunn um, by becoming King of the Ring. And fair play to him. Like, he's willed this into existence, hasn't he? He's been saying this on Twitter for the longest time. He's been using his various avenues to just talk up of all honours, the King of the Ring. I almost feel like because Xavier Woods is so smart, he's thought, well, why would I bother to say I want to go to WrestleMania to face the WWE champion? Or I want, you know, he's he's looked at the various achievements mm. that he would consider himself capable of achieving in WWE's unfair system, and he thought even though Kofi got Kofi Mania, and even though Big E is riding this unbelievable wave, WWE still won't ever see it in me. So why don't I chase a goal that I think they might just let me have to shut me up? And he's found it with King of the Ring. Only he hasn't because this company is so cruel that they'll double down and take it off him at the last seconds. I hope he wins it. I thought that visual of Kofi with the cape was incredible. Oh, yeah. Like, how how does anybody root against the New Day to have anything they want in their lives? Any of them? They're just the most wonderful act. They're everything good about WWE, which isn't to say much, but they're everything good about that, that brand and those letters. Um, so I desperately don't want this to end in heartbreak. But they've at least probably found a really high-quality match and a high-quality opponent with which to do it. I'm going to defy my negativity that's brewing inside of me. Say Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods is going to be king of the ring. Big E's going to retain the WWE Championship and Bobby Lashley's going to squash gold. Maybe not squash, but beat gold. (laughs) Uh, We'll see where we are in just over 24 hours time and let's conclude Michael Hamblett by talking about Edge versus Seth Rollins hell in a, it's been ages since we've had a hell in a cell match hell in a cell oh, do you know when you said we'll find out in 24 hours I just had forgotten this match and I was like thanks thanks for listening ready to do the Twitters and get the fuck out of here and I'd forgotten about a hell in a cell match not just a hell in a cell match but a decider you know, the rubber match between the two. Um, it's divisive, this, isn't it? You like that word when you're being kind to the WWE. I, I think it's actually true in this case. It's divisive. Mm. A lot of people from just when you speak on this match seem to be a big fan of it, a bit big into the uh, the discourse between Edge and Seth. Uh, Edge's whole deal about, <laughs> like... I know a thing or two about home invasions. I've broken into one guy's and kicked his dad's head off. It's like, I wouldn't draw that comparison if I were you because it only makes Seth look lamer. The thing with this was, I, I understand you want to do a rub match. You want to sort of have the decider or anything. I thought WWE did a genuinely effective job 
of making Seth levelling up the series feel like a win. Yeah. When Edge was stretched out, it mirrored the Randy Orton thing, didn't it? So Orton and Edge were 1-1. You had the greatest wrestling match ever won by Randy and the WrestleMania match won by Edge. But Orton put Edge out and nobody bothered to think about it. They were just like, yeah, it's ended 1-1, but Orton's won the day. And then you know that Edge is lurking in the background. Eventually, he's going to come back and get Mm -hmm. some sort of revenge. And I kind of just thought they were doing that with Seth. And I thought, that's pretty great. Like, this gritty edge is a small doses guy anyway. So let's get a shot of him for a little bit so we can enjoy him again on the road to WrestleMania next year. But no, here we are. We've got another Hell in a Cell match. And as a result, I think Edge will probably win. I say that because, not particularly because I'm mad keen on what either of them are going to do next year, but are they both going to Raw? Yeah, yeah, they're moving it over to Raw. Yeah, again, another Seth Rollins feud just transitions with him with the uh, draft. They're not even being split up by the draft, yeah. So if... So what you'd likely the likely outcome of this is the two of them having to be on the same Survivor Series team, having tried to kill each other for home invasions and all that for three months. No, why I think Edge will win is because um, Seth Rollins, to his credit, uh, there are, there's a forgotten Hell in a Cell match with Seth Rollins. It was actually half decent against Dean Ambrose because obviously everybody only ever remembers the Fiend one, mm-hmm. and that was a, a nightmare for all involved. But Seth, if you recall, him and uh, Ambrose did take the big bump. Capital D, capital B, capital B. Um, they both dove off the cell through tables. I seem to recall, was there not, did that not one with Roman and Braun descend into shield chaos with the dogs of war as well? Quite the possibly, shield, yeah. The shield were fighting on top with the dogs of war while the big men were in the cage on the bottom, something like that. So Seth will brave stuff for the, to get this over. You know, he will do something daft and big to get this over. And cool because better him than Edge. <laughs> Taking a bump yes. like that at this point in his career. So expect something big. Expect a big Foley-esque dive through a table. I'm not trying to like toss that off as like a kind of, oh God, another bloody table bump from 24. It's <laughs> sort of how they feel sometimes, isn't it? Um, he's going to sacrifice his body for the cause, edge, edge to win. And like our visual, albeit one that we'll probably not be talking about in a month. Yeah, I agree. I think Edge wins and Seth Rollins probably transitions into a world title feud following Survivor Series, despite yeah. that. Um, but yeah, no doubt some mad bumps and intriguing to see how on earth they're going to do this. Because normally the cell's suspended above the ring, but from my memory of how they set it all up, it's pretty wide open. This hmm. uh, I've no idea how they're going to execute it, but... Let's have a new colour. That's what I want. Let's have a green one. You know when they gave Braun that new... Let's have a gold one. A gold one, yes. A gold and purple one in the Crown Jewel branding. All of a sudden, we've made the show awesome. Right at the death. Uh, Poor choice of words. Right at the end of the podcast, we've made the show awesome. Well, let us know your thoughts ahead of Crown Jewel tomorrow on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at... Michael Hamlet. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. You follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, including the review of Crown Jewel in the immediate aftermath. Uh, it won't be Michael Hamlet. He's too busy enjoying this fabulous pay-per-view from the beautiful kingdom of Saudi Arabia with his <laughs> children. Uh, but it'll probably be me and Phil Chambers discussing it after our live stream, which you should join us for tomorrow from 4pm UK time. But for now, this has been the Crown Jewel preview. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. AdWanted UK is the provider of single-source media data for agencies, media owners, brands and academic institutions. And thanks to our rebranded news offering, called The Media Leader, we can also lead the way in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more, simply visit the-media-leader.com to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader, from AdWanted UK.